DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined now by Utah basketball coach Larry Kristoviak. The Utes wrapping up the regular season. They are headed off to the Pac-12 tournament. They got a blowout win over Arizona State, and they will face Washington in the first round of the tournament. Larry joins us now. Larry, good morning. Good morning, DJ and PK. So I'm curious, uh, there are so many things to ask you, and you know the history of Utah basketball. You're a big part of it now, with about a decade under your belt up there, and you, you played for the Jazz and coached in this part of the country. And I'm curious, obviously the last three years have been hard. They've probably been hard on you and all that, and you're trying to change things. What's the what are one or two things you're trying to change about the program to get them back to you know, where you were with DeLon Wright in the NCAA tournament? Well, it's, it's, uh, you know, this is an interesting time for us. We're not, we're not thinking long-term here right now. We're trying to get to the PAC 12 tournament and figure out a way to beat Washington. Um, that's where all of our focus is. And and we're trying to play forward rather than, uh, you know, taking a look back. So, um, you know, maybe end of the season, I'd be, better equipped to answer that type of question but um i think more importantly is is staying present we've uh we've played with everybody we've had nice leads against everybody in our conference one through 11 uh and now we need to bottle it up at a special time of year when everybody heads down to vegas and see if we can play some consistent basketball and win some games and then obviously off season we jump into recruiting and player development but um Right now, we're we're ready to grind. Larry, you hit the very word that I was going to use, consistent. It's hard for me to give complete and total evaluations for any team this year with COVID being as strange as it was and the in-and-out nature of the season. But nevertheless, games were played, scores were kept, and as I watch your games, really moments and extended moments of brilliance, as you've said. How do you channel that to find that consistency? Because it's clear that the talent is there and stretches to be very good. Yeah, you know, and it's, um, I don't want to talk about, it's not a youth thing, um, but at times that's a part of it. You know, having having some freshmen on the floor that need to be solid. Uh, I just watched, you know, I watched our game at Washington, uh, we had a 12-point lead with four minutes to go in the first half, sharing the ball, making great plays. And it really comes down, you know, and I think this time of year I shared it with our guys in pregame on Saturday. Um, sometimes everybody wants to analyze and, and coaches and players and want like one big answer of how do we find more consistency and as I look back on all of these previous games where we lose leads or where you build a 10-point lead, there's always a correlation in that. And it's, it's a matter of doing the proverbial little things more often and consistently than the other team. You know, obviously you have to knock down a shot. You have to make your free throws. But you have to block out on possessions. Back to the Washington point, we had a 12-point lead. And we have three straight possessions um, where we missed good shots, open shots, a couple of layups, actually. And then when you make a decision to jog back on defense because you're carrying some of the offensive frustration with the inability to make that layup, and then they whap down three threes, you know, in the last four minutes heading into 
that's not rocket science. That's just, mm-hmm. let's stick with uh, doing all those little things. It starts with the effort to get back and communicate and be in a stance. And really, that's how most of these games go. If you can find that consistency, regardless of whether you're on offense or defense, to make the right play, make the game the play that the game presents to you. We've had turnover issues at times, and I think those are, uh, from trying to hit home runs when we should probably just be advancing runners and hitting singles. and um, So it's not a mystery to our team. It really isn't because we've, we've had enough sample size. We've had enough data, a lot of the ups and downs. And if there's ever a time to put it together, it's right now. And I think the consistency comes in just being steady and consistent with the approach of the next possession. And that's going to give us a chance to advance and maybe win some games, and that's probably the big key. And when you talk about win some games, does this feel like a good draw for you because you did split with both these teams and you've beaten them both? Well, I think you always have to be careful about that. I mean, that's a fair question. Um, You know, certainly uh, if you look at history, we've struggled with Oregon. We've hit Oregon in the tournament when they seem to be clicking on all cylinders. So knowing that that they're not in the first couple games. I mean, but you have to be careful what you wish for. Um, there's always going to be some teams that put it together at the right time. I think we've got a half a dozen or seven teams that are heading into this Pac-12 tournament that understand the only way they're going to the NCAA tournament is by winning this thing. So, you know, you're going to have different levels of inspiration. You've probably got four or five teams that would just as soon have selection Sunday here so that they don't have to go to Vegas and be in a bubble and risk getting COVID and potentially screwing up their NCAA tournament. So I think it's unlike any other year, there's a lot of moving factors. And, and again, I, you know, not coach speak, but we just gotta, we gotta see who it is. We're playing next, uh, do a little bit of prep work for USC. Should we beat Washington? and take this baby one step at a time. And then if you're going to get lucky and have a few bounces go your way, hopefully we've earned them, you know, by, by approaching it the right way. And we have an opportunity to get as hot as anybody else does in this league right now. And we're confident that we can do that. I've heard coaches say, as far as youth, it's not what you want. Majerus used to say that uh, freshmen were just uh, four years removed from being in the eighth grade. He'd try to put it in perspective there when I was covering him working for the newspaper. And I've heard coaches say, you want to get old and you want to stay old. Dave Rose talked about what he called the program players. That wasn't the top-level stars, but they were the role guys who knew exactly what you needed them to do, and then they can execute it. And right. my thought for you, that's been a little bit of a problem because guys like uh, Gotch and others, when you're getting them in the position where they can really contribute maybe a little bit better than what their talent level is because of their knowledge and experience, they take off. How difficult is it for you and everybody else really in college basketball, because it's not particular to you, but to re-recruit your guys basically so they stay so you can get old? Yeah, I mean, you, that you you, uh, you hit it on the head. You know, I... I, uh, you can't control, you know, what's in people's minds. And we try to deal in truths around here, tell the truth. Uh, you know, I think if, if, uh, anybody were to interview Booth right now and, and know what's going on at Minnesota and the lack of opportunity and different things, everybody makes mistakes. You know, that's undoubtedly a mistake. It was a bad move. Uh, but there's enough people in other people's ears and telling them, you know, 
uh, and it creates disenchantment and guys want to go and try something else. And, and this is a shining example of that not being a good decision. We can't control that. What I, what I feel really fortunate about is that we have uh, a young man in our program named Pella Larson and a young man in our program named Ian Martinez that are freshmen, that are growing, that are cut of the right stuff. Uh, and so I'm a firm believer everything happens for a reason. And if, if somebody doesn't think this is the right place for them, um, you know, then that, that's going to be their decision. But I feel really confident after having been here for 10 years that we're going to continue pushing guys guys are going to have an ability to reach their potential. Uh, no, you're not going to get to play 40 minutes and play a position that you want to play because you think that's your position. We're going to, we're going to try to win games and do things uh, with the program as our number one priority. And we will continue to do it, you know, to do that as we uh, move forward. So it's, uh, it's a shame the way it is, the way the, the game is, but um We'll just keep grinding. How about that? Yeah. So you mentioned some of the guys on your roster, and you look at your roster, and you fans are used to seeing guys from Utah and California and Arizona. And you have guys from Utah and California and Arizona. But yeah. Sweden, Costa Rica, Puerto Rico, Senegal, Jamaica, Finland, uh, are you going to continue to have an international flavor going forward? Are you going to accelerate that a little more? Uh, what are you thinking? No, well, uh, hey, look, the the world uh, basketball is uh, the world is is figuring it out. It's um, it's not all soccer anymore. And I think when you look at an NBA draft and you see ten to fifteen people uh, from around the world that nobody's ever heard of, and you see some of the successes uh, in the NBA of these international players, there's a it's it's a positive culture in Europe. You know, kids grow up and they're coached and, and taught properly. There's a high skill level. We've got a couple more international kids joining us next year. So it's not going to be the only, you know, it's, uh, it's part of a program, but the, the world is, is creating and, and basketball is, is flowing all over. And I think we've done a nice job, established the niche. When you go back to the Bogats and the Hano Medalas and uh, this is a, a really great school for international students. We've got a lot of international students, and I think culturally the city fits a lot of people. So, yeah, we'll continue to do that. But, uh, you know, Utah is very important as well, and certainly the the West, uh, the states you mentioned, California and Arizona, and that that will remain in our, in our, uh, in our grasp, and we're going to keep striving to find the best players that we can. What's Jones's status going to be for the tournament? Uh, well, he's making improvements. We're not not really sure. It's a it's a day to day deal, and we just finished a coaching meeting this morning, and it's improving. But um, you know, there's never going to be any pressure on us, and I think we all know Ryland well enough to know that if he's if he's close, uh, he's a tough son of a gun. Uh, what's been difficult is, is keeping him from diving on the floor. You know, when you have a shoulder, the way he re-injured it again, there's certain things that are in his, in his gene pool and his DNA on loose balls that he, uh, you know, he gave himself up as an injured player and that ended up, you know, torquing his shoulder again. So it's really hard. It's really hard to, you know, tell a kid not to take a charge and not to dive on the floor. Uh, but you know, we're, we're hoping certainly and praying and, and, uh, you know, trying to keep Ryland in good spirits. And 
I'm curious. I haven't had a chance to uh, to visit with them this morning, but we're we're getting ready to do some COVID testing before we head out to Vegas, and I'm hoping that uh, that things have improved a little bit for him. He could be a key ingredient, obviously, for for the success of our team. Anybody who remembers watching you play knows that uh, you were an energetic guy who played with an intense edge. And you didn't, I don't think, you needed many outside motivators to get you to play like that. But I'm curious <laughs> playing in empty gyms. That was an understatement. Nice laugh, right? Uh, <laughs> but I'm curious playing in empty gyms, and especially, and we had Steve Cleveland on, he brought this up, that it's yes, it's March Madness, but the fans and the energy cascading out of the stands is a big part of the madness. And I'm yeah. wondering how much you're seeing with your own team and with opposing teams, how much you're seeing games impacted by these no crowds or small crowds, because it's it's not the same. It's clearly not the same. And it shouldn't yeah. matter, but it often does. And what are you seeing? Well, I think, number one, there's a little bit more parity. There, there's probably more road wins. I haven't looked at any data but but I know that we sure could have used the Huntsman Strong and the Faithful to help us get through a couple of those. Uh, you know, the Colorado, the Oregon, the Oregon State, when you kind of need that boost to get you over the top. So it's probably leveled the playing field. I think everybody plays the game um, for a different reason. You know, you mentioned my, my days as a player. For me, basketball was, was an escape from a lot of things that were going on in my life that uh, you could kind of, put on a, a, a different mask and go be something. And, you know, I found a lot of, uh, I found a lot of uh, value because it, it helped me with my identity. Like I was, I was a basketball player and I tried to play like every practice or game was the last one. And, and, you know, I think what you're seeing is if you're, if you're intrinsically motivated and you're playing the game for the right reasons, a lot of, you know, and the crowd does make a difference, but you don't need the crowd to get you going. And I think what it's done is, um, you know, made everybody take a look at themselves for, you know, what, what it is they're playing for. They've got people at home that maybe aren't able to come to a game, maybe loved ones that they've lost, whatever the motivation is. And the, the playing field is equal. Both, both teams are lacking that. Even when you're on the road, it's fun to have a you know, there's been some games this year when we've gone on the road, and I miss certain fans. There's fans at Oregon, and there's fans at Arizona that over the 10 years you, you almost create a relationship with that are, you know, that give you a little something and make you want to be a little better and, and the heckling and the different things. But uh, it's a challenging time for our guys. I, I do think what's great is we've recently added some fans. Uh, you know, there will be a 100 hundred tickets given for each team at the Pac-12 tournament. So it's not going to be as empty as it was back in November or December. And I think as important as anything is our guys, you know, with the television, it's still, um, this is the time of year. It's magical because it's being watched across the country. And we all, the one thing we all know is that we're getting close to the finish line. You know, the needles are going in people's arms and the days are getting longer and the weathers and the rates are dropping. So I think everybody has a little bit of energy knowing that we've persevered and made it through a really tough year. And now is the time of year that you want to be clicking and putting it all together. So there's a, some positive things that are happening, I think, that help um, overcome some of the lack of, of you know, packed arenas. And I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll find some of that enthusiasm. 
You talk about how you played as it was your last game. It must be in the Christobiak DNA because I had a neighbor who played at Brighton a couple years ago as a senior, and your son was on that team. And I would go to the games to watch him play, and I'd watch you'd be there, and I'd watch your son. He's much shorter than you, but I love the way the kid played because he played all out on every single possession. So it's clearly something in that DNA with your last name, I guess. How do you get that? to go in some of your guys now who maybe that, that they don't necessarily have it. And I'm not saying that Carlson is a loafer by any stretch, but it looks like he's got a world of talent. Yeah. And how do you get him to just take that mindset that you had when you played? And I saw your kid have it in high school when he played. Well, I think you can coach it to some degree, you know, the, the effort and the edge and, and, um, one one of my favorite sayings with our team is it's really hard to beat somebody that never gives up, and our guys hear that a lot. And I, you know, it, it's just it's just uh, that next play mentality. I think we we watch film so guys can see when they're lacking that. Sometimes you don't know what you look like uh, and how how much more you can bring to the table. Um, you know, and you got to recruit some guys that are like that. It, it's it's. Uh, it's like raising kids, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, raise, raising the son you're talking about, you feel like you have to put the, you have to put the uh, bridle on them a little bit and be pulling them back. And, and I've always said, I would rather have to try to, you know, slow somebody down and get them to withdraw and, and slow down and not play so hard than trying to kick somebody in the butt to get them excited. And it's always a fine line, but I, I do believe that the, as much as the mental skill, uh, is a pay, is a part of the game, just like the shooting skill or the passing skill, we're, we're teaching them all those skills while they're here at Utah. But I also believe we can teach them how to grind and, and fight through some tough times. Uh, and that's a process that's like going in the weight room, tearing your muscles down, and if you come back again when you're really sore, all you're doing is getting stronger. And it's it's not comfortable. It's not fun when you're aching. It's not fun when you're beat up. And you're. But same thing goes with the mental aspect. You know, there's some days you don't feel like working. Well, are are you going to come back and and break through some thresholds that maybe you didn't think you could get through before? So that's a skill that we try to we try to improve. And we've got to get dialed in. This is that time of year it, when we lose. Now we're done. And so, um, you know, this is the end of the fight, and let, let's make sure uh, that if we're going down, that we're going to go down swinging. And our, and our players will understand that loud and clear, and the more you can get uh, unified with that thought, I think the better chance you have to win some games. So you mentioned a couple things there about, you know, the mental attitude and all that, and, and I'm curious with your players – you know, it's different with fans because they ride the roller coaster. They have no control over it, and they're invested, and, you know, they go nuts. There have been some encouraging wins and then just some heartbreaking losses here. Have you had to buck this team up a little bit? Do kids let this stuff roll off their back? How's your team mentally right now? Well, well, I think, I think we're okay. Uh, I would be concerned if we were if we were like trying to play darts with the blindfold on, you know, like it, we really don't have any idea what the hell we're doing, and <laughs> let's just go roll the dice and see what happens. But you can watch any one of our games, 
uh, I've watched them multiple times. If you want to watch, you know, okay, we didn't feel good about getting beat at home the other night by Oregon State. Well, guess what? It's not a mystery. If you if you rebound a little bit harder, and we don't give up 24 points uh, on second shots, and you can block out on two missed free throws that they scored baskets on, we probably win. So it, we've got, again, we've got this long movie that we've watched. And, and believe me, we watch film after every game. Our guys watch film when we'll beat Arizona and what it looks like when it's good and what it looks like when it's bad. So going into this, it, this is the talk, uh, talk is cheap kind of year, uh, time of year. You know, the, we can sit down and talk about all of it, or you guys can just bring up your memory banks and know that we've got to do a lot of these elements. you got to take care of the ball. you got to rebound. you got to share it. And guess what? When, you, when you're open, you got to make it. And, I mean, we've been shooting 90% from the free throw line the last. If Colorado wasn't about to break uh, the all-time NCAA record, we'd be knocking on the door of that. So there's some good things that are happening. Let's just piece it all together. And so our guys aren't suicidal and worried. You know, it's, 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 uh, it is right before us. And if everybody does their part and plays their role, and things come together, we can be successful. So there, you know, it's it's not one of those seasons where anybody's thrown in the towel and and wants to move on. And so I think mentally, everybody should be in a pretty safe place right now. And we had a really good. It was a lot of fun on Saturday watching guys that haven't played a lot of minutes go out and do their thing. And the guys on the bench, unbelievably supportive. We recognize some seniors and Donnie Daniels. So. You know, this isn't a victim time. You know, this this year's killed a lot of people. It's unemployed a lot of people. We've just played 19 out of our 20 conference games, which I never would have guessed. So, you know, let's say bad for bad. that We're, we're going out to play a game in the best time of the year in March Madness. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be really disappointed if I found out that anybody on our team is not in a good mental place because, uh, th- this has been this has been pretty uh, positive, and there's been a lot of good things to take. And now let's go, let's go make sure we really have a good taste in our mouth and do this thing the right way. Coaches essentially are teachers at heart. When have you found is the best time to teach the principles that you're trying to get across to your players? Oh, uh, you know what? There's there's opportunities, sometimes hidden little gems. I, I wouldn't say. You know, obviously, when you're going into a team meeting with an agenda, uh, a film session, there's key points that you have to get across. But sometimes it's as simple as in an airport. Um, you know, the the words, the positive things in our culture, we try to we try to keep them alive on a daily practice plan and recognize and and reward and award guys when when things are being done well. I, I just don't think that you can pick and choose. I think those, those windows open themselves and there's an opportunity for some teaching along the way, sometimes almost in a whisper mode and sometimes in your face mode. And, um, it, that's one of the coolest parts about this job. You know, I think players at this level are obviously good basketball players, but there's a lot of things you can help teach them about life in general and things that are going to be with them the rest of their life. And, and that's one of the, the, the most rewarding parts when I hear back from the Jordan Leverages and the Brandon Taylors and the DeLon Wrights and those guys, Kyle Kuzma, and they're actually using slogans mm-hmm. um, 
and you know wanting to be reminded of certain things that we talked about here as inspiration that that's absolutely priceless and so th- those opportunities we try to take full advantage of whenever we can Larry we appreciate a few minutes we'll be watching you in the Pac-12 tournament against Washington on Wednesday and we would love to talk to you about some of the big picture stuff so hopefully we can get you back on the show sometime in the off season That sounds great guys thanks man Larry, Christ- yep, Larry Kristoviak, head coach of the University of Utah men's basketball team. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show, in one quick segment. Next, stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the big show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Time is of the essence for him. If they're already entertaining all these other options like they are, if they could have gotten rid of him now already, I think they would have. So they're working with what they have right now, and and that just shows you what his trade value is. I think it should be better than that, but unfortunately it's not right now, so he's they just got to do something fast to get him out of there. It's Mark Sanchez saying the Jets need to move Sam Darnold. I expect they're going to, but there's quarterbacks who are much much better thought of and more highly rated in Houston and Seattle, and there tends to be a pecking order to these things. Plus there's a draft, and once you know – if, if those trades either happen or don't in the draft, then things will settle down and we'll see where Sam Darnold fits in the NFL world. Uh, other football news today. Uh, over the weekend, Puka Nakua into the transfer portal at Washington. All kinds of rumors about the brothers wanting to play together. There's a thought maybe it would happen at Washington, but maybe it would happen at BYU with Puka Nakua in a transfer portal. And there are kids who've gone in the portal and then gone back to school uh, and not left, but it's pretty rare. Usually when you're in the portal, you're gone. Yeah. So if you're a BYU fan, you'd have to think the odds went up. But PK, as you mentioned this morning, it's never, it's never done until it's done. No matter what people want and no matter what people plan, you got to get it all the way over the finish line. And the Nakua brothers may end up at BYU, but it's not done yet. Is it the Nakua brothers or brothers Nakua? Uh, you could go with Brothers Nikola. <laughs> Brothers Karamazov? What, you going like uh, great Russian literature here? What are you doing? <laughs> no, Brothers Gibb, the Bee Gees. Brothers ah, Osborne. There you go. That's more like it. Brothers Osborne is a country band. Uh, we played their tunes a few times coming in and out of break, or coming into breaks, I guess. Uh, well, I do think that the BYU is in strong, strong contention uh, to the point where I might be able to say they're the leader in the clubhouse, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to report it until they decide we are, we are coming to this team. And it's a fact. Now, would uh, Puka have his eligibility for this season? Now, Samson, as I understand, is a graduate, so he could be yeah, he's a graduate eligible transfer. wherever he goes. Does Puka need a waiver? I don't know what the rule is. Current, 
currently he does need a waiver, but that rule change is expected to be implemented literally any day now. Where he'd be any day? Eligible. So like maybe even today, possibly tomorrow. Okay, probably not uh, today. But. Well, what happens today? Because then we can talk about the exact same thing tomorrow. Wait, re- he says it. he says literally any day now, and then he says, "Well, maybe not." Today. Literally any day. So that's day. not literally. You L- misusage of the word literally. What he okay. meant was literally any day except the current one, <laughs> and possibly the next one. But after that. It's on the table. Well, oh, you can never have enough talent. I mean, so, uh, yeah, bring it on, man. If they want to come, bring it on. And the transfer portal is there, and take advantage of it. Now, these two kids here, they are familiar with the local culture, so I don't think that it would be a big surprise for them, anything that they have to do or don't do, whatever BYU's rules are and the labyrinth of rules that they've got. Uh, I've always thought the transfer portal would be ideal for BYU because you can bring in guys who are older. They don't have to abide by some of these rules that may seem foreign to them for that long. Uh, Mark Pope obviously has made a living so far off of that, and then football should too. These two kids fall under a different category since they have the local connection. Uh, and they would be in addition. I always thought Samson was on the verge of breaking out. I know. But I seem to felt that way about every receiver at Utah. Not everyone. No. But, but the ones that I felt, like they never really More did. More than once, yes. More than yeah. once you felt that way. Yeah, because to me, Samson, and maybe I wanted it because he's such a great interview. <laughs> he and is. I, I enjoyed his... talking to him the last few years. Uh, yeah. And his... so I wanted him to be. His charisma just... Off yeah, I mean, charts. he's got it. Yeah, for Off sure. He's just charts. one of those guys. Then they've had plenty of them. Mm-hmm. Julian Blackman was uh, was a kid that I enjoyed talking to. Obviously, there's many of them. Yeah, there's Tubby, a long list. Hanson, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Uh, so, uh, Samson, I always enjoyed talking to him. I rooted for him to have success, so I get the opportunity to interview him <laughs> yeah, right. after the games. And so, I think he can be in addition to any program, particularly for BYU, because we know that they're losing some talent there. Not that their their program is completely barren of talent, but would be an exciting opportunity for both of these guys. I would love to see it. And I, the locals, you know, we want them to do well because it's good for business. Having them go someplace else doesn't really do anything for us. So, sure, I would love to see them go to BYU. We just had Larry Kristoviak on the air. Your takeaways there, PK? I got to admit, I wanted to talk some big picture stuff with him, but they got a game Wednesday, so he's not ready for it yet. There's no reason why they're not extremely confident in the first game. I would be extremely disappointed if they lose the first game. I have been a fan of Larry's. I keep extending the window uh, for him to return to believe that he can do big things there. And I have a hard time saying this year because of the crazy nature of it that they should make a change. I'm not. I'm just not in that category. But you know, you got to win. And and even though this year was crazy, they did play games and they did keep score. And there was a bunch of head scratchers, good and bad. You go over to Colorado and you win. That's a head scratcher. That's good when you're down by 20 points and you find a way to win. Mm-hmm. You hammer SC. You dominate SC. Yep. You dominate Arizona. Uh, the Bruins got you, but down in Pauly, it was a last second. Uh, the Utes had a chance. They turned it over right at the end there. Yep. So uh, Washington is a crappy team. I think Washington, I heard somewhere along the line, was having an historically bad season for their program. So you must win this game. 
And then we'll see what SC brings. You beat SC. SC's not in a good spot, although they did have a nice comeback to beat oh, their crosstown rival that. the other day and then made a shot right at the end to win the ball game. Yeah. Uh, so they're sort of hit and miss there. And they've got all the talent in the world. they got the lottery pick, and I've seen Mobley expected to go as high as maybe even two in the draft. And you look at him and say, okay, it's a kid who – you know, you're drafting largely on potential. That's what the NBA draft has turned into to uh, a large extent now. And this kid's got it. So they're a very dangerous ball club. I can't say that I expect but, Utah to win that game. But I definitely expect them to win, uh, thir- was it Wednesday at uh, 5 o'clock? Is that what I heard? Yeah. Uh, US, USC started 18-3 and and has gone 3-3 three and three in their last six and I don't follow it close enough. I don't know that you do either. I don't know if it's something about getting to the finish line and you know guys who have NBA stuff. I, I don't know. But there's something about them that they look a lot more vulnerable than they looked a month ago. Because a month ago, they were just beating everybody. And they looked untouchable, and I didn't think the youths were anywhere near their level. And certainly they weren't. When they went down there and played them the first time, they got drilled. So... As draws go, this seems as encouraging as can be. And at the same time, we've seen the Utes, they really can win. I mean, they've got, as you listed them, they got three or four really good wins this year. But they've also got three or four just horrible losses. So, I mean, to Larry's point, you know, that they got to be ready to go when they step on the floor because if they, if they give anything away, it could come back to cost them the game. So, I don't think it will in the first round. It shouldn't. But they have lost to Washington, so you can't say that it can't happen. It shouldn't. They split the two games. They, they won really easily when they played them the first time. That yeah, was, that was way better, back in December. Much better program yeah. uh, than Washington is right now. So I'm excited for them to show what they can do because I don't know that it's necessarily wide open uh, in terms of any team can win. I think that might be a stretch. But I think they could have a good showing and build some momentum, and then it's up to Larry and his staff to find a way to keep these guys. If they lose critical components, that that's a significant blow. And I was surprised that he was as outspoken about Gotch saying that kid made a mistake. Normally you don't crack on a kid like that, but Larry did not mince words saying that young man leaving to go to Minnesota, which I believe is home for him, said that that was a mistake. And that's that's been devastating to the program. Uh, as we've seen, many programs have that issue uh, as far as getting guys that can really make a contribution because they understand what you want them to do, and then they take off. Yeah, and there's all kinds of talk. It's Patino's kid up there, right, coaching? And, Richard, uh, yeah. Richard Patino. And just I've been reading speculation about all the long list of Mountain West coaches who, well, long list, the top two in the Mountain West. We talked about this earlier. San Diego State, the one seed, and Utah State, the two seed. And plenty of people think either one of those guys could be the next coach at Minnesota. So whoa, we'll whoa. Why, why in the world would Dutcher leave San Diego State to go to Minnesota? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Money, I guess. <laughs> then pay him what he wants in San Diego State. Yeah, San Diego State should say, what do you want? Because <laughs> they've had a really good program the last few years. Stop. Well, longer than that, going back to Fisher, obviously. But he was obviously part of that. He was Fisher's assistant. He was so. top assistant for many, many years. Yep. And uh, they're a pretty good program, and you get to live in San Diego, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Trading that for Minneapolis? 
I don't know if you've heard about the winter weather there, but those are extremes. Yeah, no, the San Diego paper had a big story on it. You know, is he going to be targeted? So, all right. So we did talk some college basketball in addition to having Larry on the show. Uh, the Utes, uh, we covered them. The Aggies got the number two seed by coming from behind to beat Fresno State. 57-51, a game they were only scored 17 points in the second half, but they got 40 in the second half, and they defended the whole game, and they were rewarded for that. So now they're off to the conference tournament as the two seed. San Diego State's the one seed, and they're really the only team in the league that knows they're in. Everybody else, and it's pretty dicey. And I know they got a bunch of good teams. You know, it could be CSU who gets in. It could be the Aggies who get in. It could be Boise State who gets in. But those other three have to be sweating it right now, PK. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't look at it like that, though. I would look at it as an opportunity to go play some more ball and prove that we belong rather than sweating it. Uh, like to look at their opportunities. Obviously, San Diego State lost twice to Utah State. Now, both of those were in Logan, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a long time ago, yep. relatively speaking, in a college season. So I sort of like this tournament that uh, it's it's more wide open, I think, because I could even throw in possibly as Nevada as a dark horse to uh, maybe get to the final, and then if they hit a bunch of threes, who knows. So I'm excited to see what Utah State can do. Uh, I see no reason why they don't win it. If they got their health, and it looks like they do, and they've got some contributions. And to me, Kate is an NBA player. Uh, Bean is a double-double dude. And Ashworth has given him a, a real good contribution here from a younger fellow as far as grade-wise. So it looks like they got all the parts. And Craig Smith has just done great, great work in his short time in Logan. BYU's playing Pepperdine, 10 o'clock tonight, ESPN2, West Coast Conference Tournament Semifinals. That's the second semi. Gonzaga plays at 7. And right now, I wonder if there is a single listener out there who wouldn't pick Gonzaga to win the semis, BYU to win the semis, and Gonzaga to win the final. I think we'd have some unity in the community on those predictions. I would think so, too. I think it's important for BYU to really establish themselves and win this thing. Because a year ago, they lose to St. Mary's. Now, St. Mary's was a, good, was a good ball club back then. And I don't think Pepperdine is at the level of St. Mary's that St. Mary's was last year. BYU played one of their worst games of the season at that particular time, too. So with that in mind, I would like to see them hammer Pepperdine, get themselves ready. And it's a monumental task. I'm going to go with Gonzaga, obviously. The Gonzaga Invitational, more often than not, is awarded to Gonzaga. This reminds me, the Mount, the West Coast Conference Tournament is like Stu Morrill in the Gossner Foods Classic. You invite a few dogs to come in, and then you're holding the trophy at the end. Isn't that the way the, God, the Gossner Foods Classic played out for so many so years? So many times. <laughs> yeah. And I, gosh, you know, I've been down there for so many years. I'm not going to be down there this year, and it sucks. I love being down there. I love being around, uh, what's that place hold, about 8,500? I mean, I can honestly say seven to 8,000 of those fans are where Gonzaga's. And they really, really rally around that team. And it is fun to see so many folks who are Gonzaga fans. The only thing that you don't get is the animosity towards uh, the other teams. Because Gonzaga is so much better. When you went to the Mountain West... There was animosity. 
Everybody <laughs> always rooted against BYU just as a general principle, and it's probably a lot of football hangover. But, two, you rooted against, well, Utah because we're going to play the, the winner of this team, so we'd rather play whoever it might be rather than the Utes. So you'd go to the arena and you'd see the various factions of fan bases, and there wasn't the overwhelmingly dominant fan base like there is Gonzaga. So you'd see it's hard to judge because of red. You had New Mexico and San Diego State and Utah. And, and, and UNLV. They, and UNLV would be there, of course, too. And they would be uh, – the fans would be there rooting back and forth. And then you'd have the yellow, yeah, which stood who, out like a yeah, massive right. you always sore thumb. Wyoming. <laughs> yeah, and they would be there rooting. They'd always root against BYU just as a general principle. But then if Utah was a good team and you had to play them, you'd root against that. You don't really have that in the West Coast They're because they don't. none of their fans travel. A little bit of BYU, even less St. Mary's, and a lot Gonzaga. And Gonzaga, quite frankly, has nothing to worry about because they're going to beat whoever they should be able to play that on that Tuesday in the final. BYU and Utah always felt like they had a target. When they, I, I thought, always thought the rest of the conference could unify against either one of those schools. I think BYU, the football hangover, and Utah won so much in basketball, people love to see them go down, if for no other reason than it could clear a path for them. You know, you could be sitting there in a semifinal or whatever, first semifinal, and so there'd be three schools rooting against you. Like, and it was fun. You could feel the energy. Yeah. You feel the energy in the Thomas and Mac. This was always my favorite week of the season for all those years. I worked for the Watchdog and covered college basketball. This was the favorite week, even more so than the NCAA tournament, which I love doing also. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Oh, Canada, LeBron loves that place. He and the NBA should leave no trace. Please move to Canada. You are a huge disgrace. Okay, weigh it in. Little all-star all-star yeah, game song there. He was not pleased with the them standing for the Canadian National Anthem and then vacating for the United States National Anthem. Time for your feedback. And we got some Larry Kostowiak feedback here, PK. I'll bet you can anticipate what it is. Okay. Greg, Larry's time is up. I don't remember a time in my life when there was less enthusiasm for Ute basketball. No tourney in seven years. Can't keep talent, fan apathy, and indifference. I don't think it's no tournament in seven years. I think it's going to be no tournament in five years next Selection Sunday. Obviously, if they win the conference tournament, that'll change. But no one's anticipating that. But it's four going on five here next week. Well, he but almost, I get the he, bigger point. He must only be 10 years old because I think there was probably less enthusiasm when Larry took over that first year. Cratered. Maybe I'm wrong. But there was hope. I don't know there's a lot of hope now. There was hope that, okay, Larry's going to turn this around. Not this year, because if you remember, all the, well, not all, all but one player transferred out, and it was after everyone was committed and the transfer portal wasn't a thing yet. So it was basically get whoever you can, and it was later referred to as year zero, which I thought was actually a fairly, fairly well, accurate label for that year. Now, this person who tweeted at you was a Ute fan, and so he most likely is invested in this program. Yep. And so he has the right to say that if he's been involved in the program, 
then that you you have to earn the right to be critical and it sounds like this person has earned that right to be critical so i can't deny him that right nor can i completely criticize and say you're absolutely wrong for me it's not the time but the time is growing shorter that's for sure and it's getting closer and there's going to have to be uh you know a you and a water get off the pot time I understand that. I'm not there yet. That's me. If you want to be, I can't argue with you and say, wow, that's so outlandish. Why would you say that? The fan apathy and indifference is not debatable. I mean, it's kind of masked this year because you can't have fans at games, and then if you can, it's a, it's a very small number. Uh, but it's clear where it was trending the last couple of years. And, I mean, I just think the signs have been there. It was... Larry didn't really want to get into it, and I get it. He's got a game Wednesday. Um, but 44 and 41, stuff has to change. You know, that's, that's the record over the last three years. That's 85 games. That's a pretty good sample size. And the two years prior to that, they missed the NCAA tournament, and we're in the NIT. And you know, I can accept some rebuilding years mixed in, but after a couple of NITs, it's time to go. But instead, it, it's gotten worse. And you know, I, I know this year is a bizarro year. Uh, but it's still the worst record of okay. the bunch. Yeah, so, that's what I'm saying. It's I, where it's got to be trending somewhere, and it is, and it's trending somewhere poor. You know, I think that Jill actually weighed in, and this is why everyone pulls. Well, I don't know if everyone pulls for Larry, but this is why you and I pull for Larry. Well, one of the reasons. I mean, we know people on the staff, and it's really hard to root against them. And this kind of you know, coaching changes are always harder on assistants than on head coaches. Well, uh, but Jill says he's saying good things, but it's not translating. If you listen to the interview, it was great. Everything he was saying, you know, great. But it's it's not translating. That's what Steve Cleveland said earlier. You know, at some point you got to win. I, I Everybody you. knows that. Yeah, yeah. Chris Hill once said that Larry Kristobiak is a very smart person, mm-hmm. and you can see that and you can hear that. I mean, he's a decent person for sure. Yeah, and he's yeah. the type of guy that I like to see have success. Yep. Well, hopefully they'll have a big week down at uh, the Pac-12 tournament. We'll see how that goes. We are out of time. Scotty and Hands are coming up next. We will see you tomorrow from 6 to 10 on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.